you can have happiness and fulfillment while you're building your career and not have to put your life on hold. Sounds healthier, you know, than the rule set we were taught. And I think it also makes for a happier planet. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Jay. It's fabulous to have you joining me today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Sam. Very excited to dive in. You have written a book recently, Future Proof You. We're going to be talking about that more in the episode. But before we begin, why don't you give us a little bit of a background into how you wound up here at this place in this time, doing what you're doing. It's been a few years since I've been down to Australia. I spent my career being an entrepreneur, building companies, things that people use every day. And then I run large companies with hundreds of thousands of employees doing billions of dollars. And I noticed a pattern that it could be taught. Mm -hmm. Every 48 hours, there's new self-made billionaire. They're not the highest IQ. They didn't come from the right families. They didn't go to the right schools. You don't even have to be in a first world nation. But they're seeing obstacles as opportunities. They're seeing we're all one click away. And so to pay back, I started teaching at the university level. I wrote a book called Disrupt You that took a life of its own. And when you're a CEO, the reason why CEOs get so much big pay, big companies, because your inbox is, I hate you, I hate you, we're suing you, here's a problem. It's just negativity. Mm -hmm. When you write a book that empowers people, I get what I call love letters. I wake up to emails every day of people from around the world. I've heard from people in 140 countries. And I don't say that to brag, I'm just amazed of how disruptive you change their life. But then occasionally I get this email that says, it's motivational, but I could never do that. Mm-hmm. And it was usually from a millennial. I'm from a different generation. Where was I not connecting the dots? How could I reach that person? So I came up with a wacky, audacious idea. The idea behind future proofing you was I was going to take an immigrant who grew up on welfare, mm-hmm. mentor him one day a week, give him no capital, no access to contacts, a complete fair thing, and mentor him to start a business that he could start with no money. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, if you don't want to hear the ending of the book, He made it to self-made millionaire in 11 months. Mm -hmm. So the book is distilling down our mentoring sessions down to what I call 12 truths. If you follow these 12 truths, you will have success. This isn't a get rich quick scheme. This is if you're willing to put in the work. Now, the young man's name was Vin Clancy, and he was willing to work harder than most people will so he can live the rest of his life in a way most people can't. Mm -hmm. So it was a fair trade, you know. He didn't date for a year. He didn't get to go to the movies. He didn't watch the games. Daytime was for selling. Nighttime was for doing the work and, you know, seven days a week. But by the end of that year, you know, it was like a marathon runner. He'd already hit the goal. What kept him going was knowing he was then going to take the next year off. And it's called future-proofing you because it's not that he made enough money to never work again, but Mm -hmm. he now knows that he is future-proof. Whatever happens, he can start again, stop again, anytime, anywhere. With Disrupt You, I spent five years circumnavigating the globe, coming down to Sydney and Adelaide and all over the place, telling people whether by choice or circumstance, every career gets disrupted. Post-pandemic, 
I don't have to make that argument anymore. I think the world proved it. Mm. But disruption isn't about what happens to you. It's about how you respond. So in the same year that this pandemic wiped out the middle class in places like the United States, the 150 wealthiest people in the U.S. doubled their net wealth. Mm -hmm. Not what they make in a year, they doubled their net wealth. What are they doing differently? Can it be taught? And so that's what Future Proofing You does. And it all starts with the simplest thing. You have to have a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. You think you can or you think you can't. You're right. So I didn't have the time to build Vin's confidence organically, to let him slowly, yes, I can do this. I'm going to try to do it in a year. I actually had to trick him into growth mindset. So, and Vin didn't find this out until the book was published and he read his own story. Ah. That in our very first meeting, I'm not proud of this, but I lied to him. Uh-huh. There's a psychological principle called the Pygmalion effect. A professor went to school, tested all the kids, told the teachers, these three kids would be super learners, super achievers. And at the end of the year, guess what? Those three kids excelled. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the professor lied. He didn't test the kids. He just picked three names out of a hat. But if you tell people that they're special and you treat them special, they become special. Mm. What you believe you achieve. So I told Vin that I interviewed over 100 people. And of all the candidates, he was the only one that had what it takes to be a self-made millionaire. When in fact, I only interviewed one person because if I cherry pick the right guy, I'm going to teach somebody golf, uh, you, Tiger. Oh, Tiger, what's come over here? I'll teach you. It doesn't work that way. Uh Uh-huh. So, but the flip side is Vin kept a secret from me. Six months in, he'd already made a half a million dollars. We had a close trust built. He handed me a note that he wrote to himself after our first meeting. Uh-huh. During the course of a year, the only help I gave him financially is I bought pizza twice. Bought him some pizza. So he stayed at that pizza place and he wrote a note to himself when, and it's in the book because it really was amazing to me. He said, basically, and these are my words, I don't believe this old guy. I don't think this can be done but I got nothing else going on. So I'll play along. Uh-huh. Right. So he would suspend the disbelief. And by the end of the first month, when he made $60,000, he had a, a growth mindset. There was nothing that was going to knock him down. And his business took some punches and I thought it would have crushed him. And he just kept on going. It was amazing. And anyone can achieve this. You know, that's why I wanted somebody that you at least feel like you have a family net, you have a safety net, you have something that's a better foundation than from where Vin started. Mm, Absolutely amazing. And I just want to go back very quickly before we do move on to some of the things that you talked about. You mentioned that in the pandemic, there were some people that didn't do so well and there were some people that did. And I think that this is really important to realize that what we've been through is just a wealth redistribution event because there's still, and I remember saying this to my clients when the pandemic hit, there's still the same amount of money in the world it's just going to go to different places. So you always need to be aware of what's happening. And that's what you're talking about here, right? I'll challenge that a little bit. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. This is so cool. <laughs> so yes, money was redistributed, but mm-hmm. here's where schooling fails most of us. Mm-hmm. They teach this idea that there's only so much money and either they have it or I have it. So mm-hmm. you were taught, mm-hmm. Sam, If Jay buys a banana for $1 and I sell it to you for $2, that's business. That's how Mm -hmm. I make money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why mathematically accurate, nothing could be farther than the truth. Because that implies that there's a zero-sum game. And and poker is a zero-sum game. You can only make as much money as on the poker table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you have the money and I don't have the money, or if they take our jobs or foreigners take our jobs, 
it gets into this doggy dog, everybody's fighting over scraps. Mm-hmm. Here's where real wealth comes from. Hey, Sam, I'm starting a new company. Sold my last company for $200 million. I'll sell you 10% for $10,000. You now give me $10,000. What do I have? I have 10,000 in cash and 90,000 in stock. Mm-hmm. I created that from thin air. I can hire people with that. I can buy things. I can merge. I can do all kinds of stuff. That's how Jeff Bezos could lose money year after year after year and come out the other side of Amazon as the richest man in history. Mm-hmm. So entrepreneurs don't take someone's money. They actually create wealth mm. that didn't come from the federal government, that didn't come from anywhere else. They create value. Entrepreneurs don't sell things. They solve things. Solve for a few people. You have friends. Solve for a million. You're wealthy. Solve for a billion. You change our world. And that's where I take that. Yes, money gets redistributed all the time. What the actual numbers, I know the US numbers because they're horrifying. The 140 million people at the bottom of the US are fighting over 1%. They own less than 1% of the country of all mm-hmm. the assets. It's crazy. So when you look what happened in our nation's capital in January, mm-hmm. those terrifying shots, what I saw was people feeling left out, left behind, fighting over leftovers. That promise of, get a good job and send your kids to school and you can retire to a pension, gone. In the 1950s, dad worked, mom stayed at home. Mm-hmm. They retired debt-free to a nice pension and lived happily ever after. It's not the security Rob's ambition, it's the illusion of security. Mm. So when you watch 100-year-old companies disappear, over the next five years, half of all jobs on planet Earth will disappear. So you can either be roadkill Or you can say, wait a second, how is this a great opportunity for me? Mm -hmm. What can I do in a world that is constantly changing? Mm -hmm. And that's what it's about. That's so cool. So cool. So you chose Vin to work with you, which I think is one of the coolest pay it forward things that I've ever heard because, you know, this is teaching a man to fish, right? This isn't just giving someone a handout. This is the coolest thing that someone could do. It's an honest experiment. I looked at all the self-help and guru stuff out there, and I'm not trying to be that. I'm really just trying to save the middle class. And nobody had ever done this. Mm -hmm. And if you really believe that what you were printing works, wouldn't you test it first? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, Louis Pasteur thought, you know, he figured out penicillin. He put it on himself first before somebody else. So I really wanted to try it. And, you know, I didn't know if it could happen. That was my next question. Did you know that you were going to get a good outcome? Had no idea. Mm-hmm. So midway through the year, unbeknownst to me, Ben's business got sucker punched in the gut. I mean, mm-hmm. it got knocked over. Nothing that he did wrong, something outside of his control, something that never happened before in history. And I'm sitting there saying to myself selfishly, well, a book about a guy who makes a half a million dollars, welfare to half, it's not as catchy, but you know. And so we had our end of the month meeting and Vin's target for that month was a hundred thousand dollars. And he comes in dejected to the meeting. I know what had happened during the month. And he says, I missed my target. I only made $96,000. And I'm thinking to myself, if he could hear himself six months ago, that he's upset that he only made $96,000 in a month, it just showed that that growth mindset was there. And what happened was I always explained that you need to have more than one revenue stream. And when his main revenue stream tanked, he didn't say, what was me? He said, okay, that's not working. What is working? Mm -hmm. And he literally pivoted as so many businesses do, as you have to do. Mm -hmm. 
Because the only competitive advantage any company, small, big, restaurant, multinational has in the 21st century is to get insight from your customers faster than the competition. Because mm-hmm. we live in a world of endless innovation. There's constantly changes. And so Vin didn't miss a beat. And I was in awe. You know, Again, with Disrupt You or Future Proofing You, I'm not doing the work. I'm not taking any credit. I'm mm-hmm. literally holding up a mirror to your soul. Mm-hmm. Because most of your life, people told you that you can't, that you're not good enough, that you're this and that. And you're listening to people that gave up on their dreams that are trying to protect you from the pain of failing. Mm-hmm. Failing is part of the process. Failing is how you learn what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And when you fail, you don't end up where you started. You either earn or you learn. Absolutely. That's why you'll see Bill Gates's first company, belly up. Henry Ford's first company, belly up. Walt Disney. But as somebody that's raised hundreds of millions of dollars for startups, I can tell you I'd rather invest in an entrepreneur that's had a failure than a guy's first time out. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Because they learned lessons on somebody else's dime. Mm. And so one of the 12 truths that I'm probably different than most people is I hate all these BS artists that go, fear isn't real. Fear is just in your head. You know, put aside fears, overcome fears, you know, or the crazy acronyms, you know, I don't know. We are biologically wired, hardwired to be fearful. Mm -hmm. The oldest part of our brain, the central part of our cerebellum is known as the, some people call it the reptile brain, the lizard brain, the crocodile brain. That's the fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. When you walk into a room, I'm not thinking, oh, what's this meeting about the very first in in a a split second? Is this person trying to kill me? Is this person trying to eat me? Is this person trying to attack me? And the only reason you're alive is your great, great grandmother. When that saber toothed tiger came in the cave, she left, right? (laughs) That's why you're here, because she was afraid. Now, do first-time entrepreneurs or lifelong entrepreneurs have a fear of losing money? Yes. Um, From the time I've spent in Australia, do people have a fear of public embarrassment, Uh fear of losing friends' money, fear of all those legitimate fears? But when you're walking down the sidewalk, Sam, and you hear a bus barreling towards you, the brakes aren't working, it is going to crush you against the wall. Are you thinking about looking embarrassing? You know, yeah, not so much at that point. Hey, (laughs) you're thinking about you don't want to lose your life. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. So we can prioritize fear. An athlete prioritizes fear to get that adrenaline going. Yes, they're in shape. Yes, they worked out. They did everything, but that adrenaline gives them an edge that they couldn't otherwise have. So yes, you have a fear of embarrassment. You have a fear of losing money. You have fear of things. But if your job isn't letting you live the way you want to live, if it's paying you enough to show up, but not enough to care, if you're trading a day of your life, a week of your life, a year of your life, you're going to wake up one day and you gave away your life, just like that bus. Mm -hmm. Your life is over. And what did you do with this one precious life? And if you believe the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose, to achieve something, to make the world a little better, wouldn't that be the predominant fear to keep in front? And if you don't believe me, Go ask your grandparents, go to an old age home and ask people their biggest regrets in life. Mm. It's not what they failed at. It's what they failed to try. Mm-hmm. Don't live a life of regret. Don't spend your whole life just paying bills until you die. Why do you show up at a job to make someone else's dream come true? It's insanity. And that's where you see the difference. So in Future Proofing You, I looked at all the studies. 
People with higher IQs don't end up wealthier. People mm -hmm. with four-year degrees do not end up wealthier. Most of the wealth in the world, the redistribution, isn't from inheritance. Mm -hmm. Most of the world's billionaires did not come from money. So what are they doing differently? Can it be taught? And it all comes down to two things. Mm -hmm. You only need two things, insight and perseverance. Every single thing else can be hired. Mm -hmm. Can I teach you to find insight? Can I teach you where the opportunities are in any field? Absolutely. And in future-proofing you, I go further and I show you how to take that perseverance because perseverance is tough. It's gritty to do it. But to elevate it and to cultivate it into passion, passion will carry you through. Mm. So, you know, anybody can sell shoes. Here's brown shoes and blue shoes. But when Tom's shoes came along and said, for every pair you buy, someone that's never had shoes gets a pair. Mm -hmm. How does that make you feel as a customer? How does that make employees feel? Oh, I'd rather work at a company that's doing good. So there's so much that you can change. And it all starts with, which is why I wrote Disrupt You. Everybody thinks of changing the world, but nobody thinks of changing themselves. If you can change that voice, if you can change, yesterday you were that person, but when you wake up, you don't have to be that person anymore. Mm. Once you realize that you're malleable, changing the world and making money is easy. So I have a question for you. You've got your 12 truths and you just talked about insight and perseverance. Is this something that is a standout for you that someone is not able to take these principles? Where my brain is going is there, have you noticed any mindset sort of things or stories or different traits in people that you just know that they're not going to be able to take this and run with it? I'll start backwards. So obviously taking people in a coma out of the equation. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sorry. Uh, that killed me. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Let's take the coma people out of the equation. Yeah. Your question implies that people can't change that whatever mindset they have that fixed mindset that they have that for life. And I don't believe that. And I've seen that and I've seen it a thousand times a million times. So we all have that coworker that comes in every freaking day with their head down. Oh, what was me? The traffic, the weather, the this, the that. They're always complaining. But that person can be shown that those very obstacles in their life are the opportunities in disguise. Mm -hmm. Because if all that you're doing is solving problems, if you've got a lot of problems, you're halfway there. You just have to pick which one to solve. And it's not like you have to be Doc Brown and Back to the Future and invent the flux capacitor. You don't have to, you don't have to do something that dynamic. And in Future Proofing You, I walk you through an exercise that I have called three problems a day for 30 days. Mm -hmm. Write down three problems today. Do it every day for a month. At the end of the month, you'll have 90 ideas to choose from. Mm -hmm. But here's where it gets interesting. After the first day or two, most people go, I don't have any more problems. I don't have 90 problems. Mm -hmm. Because we walk around on automatic with blinders. This is the way it is. This is the way it's always done. We don't see the problem. I had a reader that I've become friends with he was doing that exercise one morning. He's taking his medicine. The phone rings, gets off the call. Did I take my pill? Didn't I take my pill? If I take two, I can OD. If I don't take it, I don't get better. Mm -hmm. I got a problem. Then he mm -hmm. thinks about it, takes a cheap McDonald's Happy Meal watch, puts it on the lid, goes to zero every time he closes it. Oh, I opened it three minutes ago. Yes, I did. Oh, I opened it eight hours ago. No, I did. What if I add Bluetooth? Now I know whether grandma took her medicine. Mm -hmm. Now I get these into all kinds of pharmacies. What if a doctor can control it so that only so many opioids can come out at a time? Mm -hmm. Sold in thousands and thousands wow. of places around the world. Uh -huh. That one moment. Yep. 
three kids were sitting in traffic in Tel Aviv. I've been to Sydney. I think Sydney's got Tel Aviv beat for traffic. Okay. <laughs> and they're sitting there and they go, wait a second, the phone company knows where my phone is. So it knows where the other guy's phone is. They tell me to go left and him to go right. There's no more traffic. Uh-huh. That was the inspiration, the insight for Waze. They became a billionaire the first year. Uh-huh. So most people start with an idea and I won't give them credit for the whole idea. They uh-huh. have a half idea. Most ideas suck. Not what you expected to hear from Mr. Motivation. But as you work on it, as you get deeper into the woods than most people have, that's where you find the true gold. That's where you find the insight. Before swiping, there Mm -hmm. was a way to hook up before swiping for youngsters out there. There was online dating. Mm -hmm. And before broadband, it was still pictures and you read about each other and you emailed each other and it still seemed to work. But when broadband came along, three guys had a brilliant idea. They're going to make a fortune. What if we have videos where you can see the person, hear their voice? wonderful, you know, expressions. And they built a perfect site, great interface. They did everything right. They were going to mint money. I mean, Mm -hmm. they were so excited. Let me describe the first video that this (laughs) single guy put up. Yeah. He's standing in front of the elephant at the zoo, explaining Uh why you should go out with them. Yeah. Well, tragic flaw to tune in hookup was the name of the site. No one wanted to date these losers, but they looked at their data. They looked at what was happening. And they noticed something that wasn't in the business plan. They got an insight that they didn't recognize. No one wanted to date these people, but they sure as heck wanted to show their friends these crazy videos. Oh, so they wow. changed the name of Tune and Hook Up to YouTube and uh-huh. became billionaires their first year. Wow. I did not know that story. That is crazy. Twitter was a music site. Most businesses are pivoting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because ideas are kind of worthless. It's the execution of them. It's learning what does work and what doesn't, where you really get those big, giant insights. And for those of you that are saying, but I'm not an engineer, you, Sam, have written as much code as Steve Jobs did, and he built the first trillion-dollar company, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is zero. Remember, insight, perseverance, everything else can be hired. I've been in tech my entire life. I put the first video on a computer. I did the first music download. I did the first social network. I've done lots of firsts. Because I hate competition, mm-hmm. right? I'd rather be the guy doing the new thing. But I'm not an engineer. You can hire those. My first company, I was young when this amazing movie that you may have heard of came out called Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh my God, that's what I want to do. I don't like Hollywood special effects. Now, I didn't know anybody in Hollywood. I knew nothing about special effects. But it seemed like a good thing. You could hire George Lucas ILM and spend millions of dollars. And I figured there had to be people that didn't have those budgets. Mm-hmm. So I spent $1. That was my first business. And I bought business cards. But I knew no one's going to hire and trust their feature film on some 21-year-old kid. So I didn't make myself head of the company. I made myself a sales guy. Yeah. I went out and hustled. I got some movies. And then I just hired people that knew what they were doing. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's that easy. So Vin did the same thing. Vin came to me. He's of a generation that grew up with social media. I know social media. I'm going to do social media for other people, just like 40, 50 million other people are doing, Mm -hmm. right? You're not going to be sitting there and one day, you know, Coca-Cola is going to say, yes, you sleep on somebody's couch, come do our social media. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. You're going to find other broke people that will pay you, you know, $100 a week to do something. So I said, look at what's in the news. What's something new? What's everybody talk about? What's a new field that needs social media now? Make yourself the expert at that one little thing. And the second he did that, the same 
work that he was doing for $200 a week, he now had clients paying him $30,000 a week Mm -hmm. because he was the expert. Your first client you could do for free, but once you knock it out of the park for that client, you now have what the MBA folk call a case study. Mm -hmm. Look what I did for this guy. I can do that for you. Yeah. And it's literally that straightforward. In any field, use insight, gather data. It can be a restaurant. It can be whatever your business is. But you have to take it from that point of view. Mm -hmm. So you've mentioned, you know, just getting out there and getting it done. You've mentioned fear. I haven't heard a lot of it in the US, but I hear it a lot in Australia, New Zealand, definitely. But you can let me know if this is a thing in, in the US as well. There's a lot of tall poppy syndrome here. Is this a thing in the States? It's not something no. I hear a lot about. I had never heard that expression until I did book tour in the last one. And I spoke at a whole bunch of giant startup events that you have in Australia. Amazing, uh-huh. great people. But, you know, even somebody that launches a business, you know, and becomes a public company for a billion dollars doesn't want to talk about it. Uh-huh. Right? It's a cultural thing. It definitely is. From the brash, obnoxious American point of view, that seems insanity. Because if you've got a new business, you should be growing from the hills. Look at me or how are people going to find your product? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even Uggs, okay, the shoes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that started from somebody who left Australia and came and was a surfer in Santa Monica in Los Angeles, where I live, mm-hmm. right? So he got a little bit of the, the U.S. Here's the only advantage, and I'm not one of these, you know, America's got a lot of problems, but here's the <laughs> only culture... The only cultural advantage that I've noticed, and I've worked all over the world, yep. we have culturally no fear of failure. Yeah. So if you watch The Simpsons, Homer gets an idea to get rich quick. It blows up horribly and life goes on. Uh-huh. For my generation, it was a TV show called I Love Lucy. We have these anti-hero types that try something, it doesn't work, and they survive. Mm. You know, when, when I was running a company in London, you know, being embarrassed is worse than death to the British. Mm. It's like, oh my God, you know? Well, that inhibits you to try things that you're going to fail. Mm. For 30 years, anybody that's worked for me, I've told two things to. One, you don't work for me. I work for you. Tell me what you need to do your job. I'm not a mind reader. If I get it for you and you don't do it, then it's on you. But if you don't tell me. And the second one is if you work for me for a year and you don't make a mistake, I will fire you. Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to get anything new Mm. unless you take risks. Yeah. And so this tall poppy of herd mentality, that's really great for a factory. That's really great for a platoon. Wonderful for a communist nation. You can Mm -hmm. all wear the same uniform, Mm -hmm. but not so good for being an entrepreneur. Yeah. What's wrong with standing out? And guess what? If you're in a market where nobody else wants to stand out, you just took care of competition. There's nothing wrong with standing out. It's actually a must have, right? Well, absolutely. So most of my career, I was, you know, create the first auction, it becomes eBay, work with Reed Hop and do LinkedIn, do these types of things. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got to a size and age where, you know, I'd done it so many times, large corporations brought me in to turn them around, mm-hmm. companies with hundreds of thousands of people. And I'd come in with my brash ideas and, da, da, and all, the, all the ones that are about self-preservation would just back away and go, let him implode. You know, he's a little rocket. He's just going to go and fizzle. And I'm like, no one's stopping me. I'm not stopping to ask permission. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to bulldoze and do it. If it doesn't work, fire me. If it does, you know, thank me. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I look at it. And if you're working at a company where people aren't listening to your ideas, where you can't be that entrepreneur, really think it out. Because here's what happens. 
if you know what they should be doing and they're not doing it, your job's going away. The company is going to fail. Mm -hmm. So why not take the risk and tell your boss's boss, you know, make some enemies. Here's the idea because it's going away if they don't change. Mm -hmm. I was brought in by the world's largest music company when Napster came along and suddenly CD sales went 50%, laying off thousands and thousands of people. And I remember vividly sitting down with the CEO and I said, I don't know anything about the music industry. So I've got 11,000 people that know the music industry. We don't have a future. Mm -hmm. So I went and tried new things, internet radio, downloads, iTunes, working with Amazon, all these crazy things with the insight to understand that real wealth is created by deal structure. Mm. And in Future Proofing, you know, I talk about deal structure. And I said, okay, these startups can't pay for this music. I'll give it to them, but I'll take some equity. Mm -hmm. So the first year we sold off some of that equity for $200 million. Mm -hmm. That's more money than we would have made had Napster not bothered us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's always a way to do it. I mean, Spielberg became a billionaire not by making movies. The founder of McDonald's became a billionaire not by selling burgers, okay? Mm -hmm. George Lucas did not make become a billionaire because everybody went to the movie. It all mm -hmm. came down to how they structured the deal. And I did the same thing with Vin. If you're being hired to do marketing for somebody, at a bare minimum, put in your contract, if you hit their targets, it automatically gets renewed. Because once mm -hmm. they're big and successful, they can find somebody cheaper. Yeah. Number two, put in a stretch goal. You know, if your goal was to make $100,000 out of this campaign or something, you know, if I bring in a million, will you give me 100 grand of it? Mm -hmm. Who's not going to say yes Exactly. To that? It's a no-brainer. Or... If I make you five million, will you give me ten percent of the company? You know. Mm -hmm. So, when he was looking at people that just wanted to hire him for this amount of money, he'd rather take less money and put himself on the same side that aligns you with your client, mm -hmm. and then you both kill it. And I've done that time and time again. There was one company, probably the the most astounding outcome in my career, was a company that was going nowhere. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, give me fifty percent of your company. And they did. And 90 days later, I took it public for $400 million. Wow. Now, they were going to close their doors. Wow. So was I overpaid? I don't think so. Mm -mm. I think it was fair. Yeah. VCs brought me into a company that had been around, had burned through $8 million. They had $30,000 in sales and one month of payroll left. Similar deal. I didn't get 50%. I wish I had. Oh. <laughs> but 18 months later, the company was acquired by News Corp for $200 million. Uh -huh. So I don't say these things to brag. I say these things that there's a process and the process in business is the same, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a pantyhose, it doesn't make a difference. In Disrupt You, I talk about a guy who wanted to start a restaurant. Number one business that fails, by the way, are restaurants. Okay. Usually started by somebody that says, I've got the best recipe for barbecue dingo. I mean, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. That's the least important part of a restaurant. So I looked at why do restaurants fail? And he noticed a pattern. Mm -hmm. First of all, if you have too many items on the menu and nobody orders the fish, there goes your profit. Yep. So I said, I'm going to open a restaurant that only serves three things. Mm -hmm. right? Next one, it turns out humans have these weird patterns. They eat at the same time. So if everybody comes at lunch and you put two people at a table four, you can't monetize those other two chairs. Yep. Same thing happens at dinner. So you're losing money at your busiest times because you can't see people. So I said, next rule, I'm only going to seat full tables want to force people to sit with strangers mm -hmm. and you're going to have to wait at the bar until there's a table. Okay. Now he's got 
two crazy rules. It makes for a great restaurant, but how do you convince a consumer to go to such a crazy thing? Thinks about it. And for the past 60 years, Benny Hanna's has been a Japanese teppiyaki house where you sit around the table, the guy entertains, slicing the stuff, yep, yep. and you either get the shrimp, you get the beef, or you get the chicken. But he didn't start off, I'm opening a Japanese restaurant. Is I want to open a restaurant that doesn't fail. Ask a different question. Solve for the problem. Mm. And in today's world where you can A-B test stuff online, one of the 12 truths, the one that probably you know people will argue the most with is every business is a high-tech startup. Okay. You're living on your phone. It's the first thing you see in the morning. It's the last thing you kiss when you go to bed at night. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't live your life without it, Sam. Nobody could. So why not make sure that your business is there? And again, people go, oh, I'm not techie. Yeah. You figured out how to go on vacation overseas. Please tell me how airplanes fly. Yeah, you know? totally. It's a tool. So when I speak in front of large crowds in the US, I say, okay, I'll give somebody in the audience a million dollars. Go back 10 years, tell me the number one tech stock that would make the most money. And everybody goes, Google, Apple, Facebook, you know, no. It was Domino's Pizza. Mm -hmm. People go, that's a tech company. The second they went app centric, mm -hmm. they could order from an app, mm -hmm. they could test market on the app, they could reduce employees. The majority of their employees of their company work in IT. They reimagined making the pizzas the easy part of the business. Mm -hmm. It's the rest of the business that you have to solve for. So, I've broken it down in digestible pieces. I mean, we spent all our lives in school learning how to be factory workers. Mm -hmm. Enough math, enough education. I mean, remember how you struggled with that geometry? That's so helpful during geometry season. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I can hear that there's a lot of things that can be learned. I want to go back to one piece and I want to close this loop before we okay. move on. Right at the beginning, you said the first thing you did to Vin was tell him a lie. Yep. I need to close this loop. Does everyone need someone to tell them this lie or do they need to tell themselves this lie? It's just, I don't know. Great question. And I've been doing these podcasts with the first person to ask it. <laughs> um, no, but let me answer it with what I didn't realize when I wrote Disrupt You. It was uh -huh. a huge oversight that I corrected in this book from the experience. Because when you mentor, the mentor learns as well. I mean, oh my I goodness, learn, that is the best part of being a coach. I wanted yeah. to learn from this generation. And here's what I learned. And it's one of the 12 truths. Don't fly solo. Mm -hmm. The myth of the self-made woman, the self-made man mm. doesn't exist. When I ran music companies, I was part of that myth. I remember being in Wembley Stadium, the old Wembley Stadium, 110,000 screaming fans. Ah! Our artist is on the stage all alone, singing from his heart to yours. He made it on his own. What they're not seeing is the songwriters, the musicians, the arrangers, the managers, the agents, the Tories, you know, the thousand people at the label that made that moment happen. Mm -hmm. You're going to need a series of mentors in your life. Our world is so dynamic, changing so fast. No one can be an expert on all the things. By the time you're an expert, they've changed. Mm -hmm. So I teach people how to find that mentor. And I wake up every day at an inbox and go, will you be my mentor? That doesn't work. Yeah. I show you how to use LinkedIn to find the right thing. Using that cold thing, will you be my mentor? It's like walking into a bar and going, hey, will you have my baby? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Think that would work for me, Sam? I don't think so. It, it will, so, but it might work every now and again, but let's not use it as a rule strategy. <laughs> yeah, it would take a lot of pints. Yeah. The point is, if you can 
look through people's bios, and I go into this in the book, for the find the type of person that you have things in common with, you may end up with a lifelong mentor without ever using that term, without mm-hmm. ever mentioning the mentor word. I mean, Mother Teresa found her mentor on a bus bench. I mean, it is so key to everybody's life. I tell the story of a young man who was basically a big punk in high school. Mm-hmm. It's a big, heavy kid with a chip on his shoulder, came from a family situation that wasn't the greatest. And he was so tough, he decided to just go into the teacher's lounge in high school, right? And the teacher got in his face and yelled at him and threw him out of there. And for whatever reason, it stuck with this kid and he felt bad. So he went back the next day to apologize to this man. And the man put out his hand and said, I accept it. I want you to play football for me. And that one act of him becoming the mentor propelled this guy to play in the NFL, to go into wrestling. And to be the highest paid star in Hollywood, you know him as The Rock. Oh, wow. But it all started with that one coach putting his hand out. Uh-huh. A mentor can catapult you places that you can't go on your own. Mm. And it's so important. And if you, you know, can't find a mentor, there's organizations that are set up for mentoring. There are endless people that want to help you. Back to that mindset of, they're only being so much money and it's mm-hmm, me or you. Mm-hmm, the second mm-hmm. you realize it's abundance, yes. people aren't competing with you. People want you to succeed. Mm. And that's really such a mindset change for most people. Totally. Don't feel like you have to be stubborn out there on your own and make every mistake from scratch. Really? Mm. You know, totally. Sir Isaac Newton once said, you know, everybody calls him the greatest scientist of all time. You know, mm-hmm. pretty incredible dude. But he humbly and honestly said, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, mm. you know? So you don't have to invent things. You can take something somebody else did and move it to a different use case because you know a problem that the people that are selling it don't. There's so many ways to change and do things. And the opportunities are limitless. Mm, totally. So we're talking about the book here, Future Proofing You. Yeah. Can you please tell us where we can go? There we go. There it is. Beautiful red, black, and white book <laughs> for those that um, can't so see. So you can get the audio version, the Kindle version, the paper version. It's on Amazon or wherever you get books. I also want readers to get the most out of the experience. Again, I don't write books to make money. I write it to pay it forward. So I have workbooks for both of my books that you can get on my website. It's my name, jsamit.com, J-A-Y-S-A-M-I-T.com. And so you can download. So each chapter you go, oh yeah, that makes sense. I should do that. And then you go on to the next chapter and it goes out your head. Well, now you can stop with the workbook and start writing your plan as you go. And I, you know, I can't wait to see what people create. That's the, the real excitement as an author. That's the magic. Yeah, yeah, totally. Jay, just to tidy this up and finish this episode and put it in a little box. What is the biggest takeaway that you got from your year of working with Vin? That The generation that's coming up, because wages have been flat since 1982, because so much automation has taken place, they have a different viewpoint. I was raised with the sacrifice, 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 and then you'll enjoy life when you're old and gray, Mm -hmm. which I'm doing. They realize that stability of a future may not ever exist. Mm -hmm. So they want to have a better work-life balance now. And so post-pandemic, when you realize that most jobs can be remote jobs, you're going to see a generation of young people that are traveling and enjoying this world now 
not waiting till they're old and gray. Mm -hmm. So you can run your company from Phuket this month and from Spain with the running of the bulls and go down to, you know, Carnival in, in, in Brazil. You can have happiness and fulfillment while you're building your career and not have to put your life on hold. Mm. Sounds healthier. I you know, agree. That the rule set, you know, we were taught. And I think it also makes for a happier planet. When my book became a hit, my first book in Vietnam, I went over there. I'd never been there before. And I was taken away that the people were happy as if the entire city was Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't figure it out. I'm used to, you know, walk around New York City and you'll, you won't find a smile. And I couldn't figure it out. I started talking. And then I realized the grandparents realized that their kids have it so much better than they had it because they grew up during war and famine. And the young people see endless opportunity and the globe as a place where they can achieve things. Where did we go so wrong that we crush that out of people? Mm. That we try to get conformity. Don't be the tallest poppy, you know, just stay in your lane, stay in your place. So Vin grew up in, in a tough neighborhood in, in England. In England, you know, they have this class system where people are known as their betters, you know, mm -hmm. like you're born thinking I can't make it because, you know, they're the better. And that's such insanity. And it's interesting. Immigrants have that passion because their journey started before where they got to. Mm -hmm. And they may be sweeping a floor, some entry level job, but that isn't their identity. It's part of their plan to achieve, which is why one third of Fortune 500 companies were founded by an immigrant or the mm -hmm. first generation child because they put themselves on a path. And so, you know, shut off that voice, you know, go live the life you want to live. It's not going to be easy. This isn't an overnight thing, but it's a heck of a lot more rewarding. Mm. It's a heck of a lot more enjoyable to know that you made a difference with the very limited time you have here. Mm. Love it. So go get yourself a copy of that book, Future Proofing You. Head over to the website, jsemmet.com. Those links will be in the show notes as always. Jay, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story, your inspiration, and even more, your actionable tips on how to help us to become one of those self-made billionaires and to be part of those numbers rather than the opposite. Fantastic. Thank you for the time. Today's episode may be over, but let's continue the conversation. Head on over to the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook and connect with other entrepreneurs who are building and scaling their business too. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.